Welcome to Afternoon Delight. Real people and real stories. A local podcast for local artists. Hello everyone, welcome back to Afternoon Delight with myself, Jordy Delight. It's been honestly so lovely um, sharing that story with all of you yesterday on my own battles of mental health in the past. I I really wanted to do that, and particularly because of watching the Caroline Flat documentary and also just from, um, from dealing with it in therapy and also dealing with it every day, you know, stuff like that never goes away. It's like eating disorders, it's like trauma, you know, these things, you have to manage these things and put in coping strategies all the time in order to live everyday life. And my next guest knows that brilliantly herself, as she and myself have both experienced bad days, depressive episodes, mental health, and went to therapy in order to come at the other end and learn good and healthy coping strategies. She's also just one of my best friends, which is so great. I've known her since 2014 when we did the Church of High Kicks on Sundays at CC Blooms. But the funny thing is, when we really became good friends and totally, like, you know, <clears throat> I wouldn't say fell in love, but, you know, we knew that we were guest soul sisters in a way, was when we went to Artful Dodger to a DJ set at Liquid Rooms. Now, I had moved into halls and I was obsessed with Artful Dodger and Garage and no one really actually knew that about me. And I was like, oh, I really want to go to this gig and it's only £5 a ticket. Like, five? can you imagine that? Back in the day, right, you could literally go to, like, a really good club night at Liquid Rooms for a fiver and see a proper, like, well-established DJ from the 2000s, like, do a set. It was absolutely iconic. And, yeah, we ended up um, going together because on Facebook I had put, oh, I want to go, but no, none of my friends like Garage. And she had commented saying, eh, I'll go with you for £5. <laughs> and I was like, oh, right, okay. And I remember she wouldn't mind me sharing this because she doesn't know this, but I do remember sitting in halls thinking, oh, do me and Susie really have much in common apart from, like, getting pissed on a Sunday at CeCe's? I don't really know. Oh, well, do you know what? Why not? It'd be nice to spend some time with her outside of that. And the rest is literally history. After that, we became so close. Sadly, Susie also lost her mum and really struggled with that the last few years. And I was there kind of at one of the most hardest points in her life with that. Vice versa, when my friend Katie had died, she was there for me. We ended up going for a walk um, the day that I'd found out Katie died and I was in pieces and I myself lost my dad. So we had that kind of understanding of these things. Um, and it's just, she is a friend. She is the moment, you know, as um, Wendy Williams says. And she is honestly incredible. And I'm so glad that I'm going to share her work to, with all of you because there were things I didn't know about her, clearly, even after bloody six years of friendship. <laughs> I haven't actually known some of these things, so do enjoy um, the stories, the moments of hope, and the music at the end by the gorgeous Susie K. Welcome back to 
Bloom's Light Season 3, and I have got my first guest who I literally talked about in the first episode I did myself. I have known this absolute incredible performer and musician for so long now. I think we're going, 2014 was when I would have met her. So we're talking, God knows, seven years and sort of six years of proper friendship. And we've been tied together for so many personal things, but professionally, she's mentored me, I've mentored her, and now we're kind of on an even par, kind of both being on the same sort of um, wavelength as each other. And it is, of course, the Mariah Carey of Edinburgh, in my opinion, Susie K. It's me. <laughs> Hi, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm good, babes. How are you? Oh, God. I should have warmed up before I did that. <laughs> <laughs> no, you sounded beautiful. I love how you run. I love a run. The only run I can stand is that. No actual running. <laughs> Aye, same. <laughs> Brilliant. So, could you introduce yourselves to my listeners for me? Of course. Uh, hey, lovelies. I'm Susie Kay. Um, I'm a soul singer from Scotland. Uh, write songs. Um, I sing. Uh, teach. Um, yeah. Anything to do with music, I'm your girl. You are a powerhouse in music. Like, you have got all the skills <laughs> to, like, seriously always remember how incredible you actually are. And uh, do you know what? It's so funny for me, Susie, because, you know, I've had so many close friends and professionals that I've worked with in the past um, on Afternoon Delight, and I'm quite surprised it took me three seasons to get to you. <laughs> I know, right? Trying to save, save, save the best for last, though we're not on the last season. It's just getting started, you know? <laughs> and it's also an absolute anthem by Vanessa Williams. <laughs> right? Hello. Exactly. Always a music link with me. <laughs> so right. And yet, you know, it's so funny because for people listening that might not um, know me and Susie, me and Susie have got a terrible tendency. We actually often will plan our meetups 15 minutes earlier than we intend because we just know we'll both be late to things. But today, oh, always. I had messaged you being like, oh yeah, <laughs> five minutes late and at half, half past we started. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially in these pandemic times, you know, there's a little bit of, you know, flexibility and things like that, you know, taking people, all the work that you've got to do into consideration, you know, not just you, but everyone, everything being on Zoom and everything being shoved in and all that kind of thing, you know, need to just give, give a little bit of um, grace to people sometimes, you know. See, you're so lovely. My excuse is that I nearly, like, you know, fell over my washing pile on the floor, and that's why I was scunnered and running late. You know, I just... Traffic <laughs> oh, was a nightmare, that washing pile, let me tell you. Oh, I. <laughs> so relatable. So do you know what I know? Oh, there she is. She's drinking a glass of red wine, class. All right. Mm-hmm. It's like, after eight. <laughs> so I, I know you very well, mm. um, mm-hmm. inside out. But it would be great for you, for my listeners, to kind of tell me, you know, one of the questions I always ask my guests is, you know, where did you grow up, study, mm. work, live before you pursued music and being a musician? Mm-hmm. Well, the, the short answer is I've always been pursuing music, as cheesy as that sounds. Um, like, I was born and brought up in Edinburgh um, to two very musical uh, parents, um, both my parents um, sang opera when I was growing up. Um, my dad actually still singing opera in his 70s, which is amazing. He's massive inspiration on that front, even though we sing different styles of music. Um, so the, the short answer is I always have. <laughs> but uh, but career-wise, um, I started off doing classical music when I was young. 
like because of my parents, obviously. Um, but alongside that, I was also doing musical theatre at um, Edinburgh Acting School, which uh, now I believe they just focus on acting. But back then, they did uh, dance, singing, uh, acting, and voice work. And so I was there literally throughout the whole of my school life, from like the age of five until I was 16, 17. Um, and so I was doing that alongside the classical music stuff. So I uh, played the violin, I played the piano, um, we did recorder and stuff like that, you know. Um, and, uh, and so I was doing all of that growing up. Um, and uh, then, what did I do? Oh yeah, I stuck around in Edinburgh and I did a degree in popular music at Napier University, um, which was amazing. I learned so much from that um, because I realized that I wanted, contemporary music was really where my heart lay career-wise. Um, and because of the experience I'd had, I didn't really know much about it um, other than that I loved it. Um, so uh, doing the degree really helped uh, give me that grounding um, in how to use my voice properly, how to you know, do uh, music programming, all these kind of things. Um, and then after I finished the degree, my sister who um, lives in London, she was like, you know, you should just come down for a few months, like six months, whatever, you know, you've never lived outside Edinburgh. Um, I was like, yeah, cool, why not? So six months turned into seven years. Um, and, and so uh, that's really where my career in music started was when I was down there. Um, uh, I mean, I could go on and on, but, you know, doing things like uh, I learned to become a gigging musician, really honed my skills there, met people that I still work with uh, musically now. Um, and uh, yeah, that's really where it kicked off. So so the answer is that I've always been uh, kind of a musician in a way, but um, the career part of it really kicked off when uh, when I moved to when I moved to London. That's so interesting. So you know, for me, obviously, one of the questions that I'm really fascinated by, you know, hearing mm. all this, um, you know, with you watching you when you would the reason I met you was obviously for doing many moons ago the church high kicks, and mm -hmm. I used to do singing, you know, beautiful songs by um, Whitney Houston and mm -hmm. covers by, um, oh, it's Whitney Houston's auntie, Dionne Warwick. Oh, uh, Dionne Warwick, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you do all these incredible artists, but you know, what I'm really interested in knowing is what mm. is your style and taste in music? You know, I know everyone's got a collect, mm. I've got a collected taste, mm -hmm. but I want to mm. know what first got you into singing because your parents being classical singers, but you're saying popular music at Napier. What's your, mm. that inspires you? Who, what artists inspire you? Right, so, uh, so obviously, as I say, the parents, uh, acting school, so I was doing the classical musical theatre. But when I was about nine or 10, um, you know, back in the day, this show my age here, but um, I used to listen to the radio, right? Didn't have the internet, didn't have any of that stuff. So I literally listen on a ghetto blaster to the radio at night. And there was one night that I was just flicking through channels and I would record songs that I really liked um, onto a cassette. Yes, people, a cassette, okay? <laughs> so, so I record them onto a cassette and then, you know, next, the next song I'd hear, I'd be like, oh yeah, I'll record that. So this radio station came on, it's called uh, Trevor Nelson's Rhythm Nation. And uh, so I was listening to that, I was like, oh, this song's good. And before I knew it, I'd recorded the entire two hour set that he'd done. So, song after song so I was like oh I love this one. Oh, I love this one. Oh, this one too so I, okay there's something here I'm like I need I need to now listen to this radio station every week so every Sunday I promise you probably for about 10 years <laughs> I was listening to to this and um it introduced me to um like classic hip-hop um 90s R&B um neo-soul 
classic soul. All the people that I'm really obsessed with and have taken so much inspiration from, it really stemmed from that radio show. Um, and that's what sent me on my path and went, there is something about this music that just, anything soul-based, and all this is kind of soul-based music, it just really resonated with me. So I went, that's it, that's for me. That's the way I'm going. And, and so educate me as well as everyone listening mm. you know in terms of soul music like mm. it's very easy for me to go well what is soul music right because it comes <laughs> soul you know that but I'm sure. in sort of I've always resonated when I've done singing covers of songs about heartbreak and sort of dr dramatic performance songs by like Amy Winehouse etc mm. e what first of all what kind of musicians are you really into? You know, like, I know that me and you both love TLC, on Vogue, you know, sort of right, that. Yes. May J. Blige. 90s but, queens, yes. But, like, you know, what kind of mus musicians, who, and mm. what makes this music connect with you? What makes it connect? Mm. Do you know what's really funny? And this is going to sound so pretentious, right? But when I did my degree uh, at Napier, um, we had to do a major music project um, uh, in the final year. And what I focused on was I was looking at the connections or whether there were connections between opera and hip hop specifically. Yeah, right, wild. Um, <laughs> I went, yeah, let's just see. It's quite interesting. Do you know what? I'm going to have to rake it out because I, I want to see how I was justifying this, right? <laughs> but um, really interesting because I just thought, you know, I am a, without putting too fine a point on it, I'm a white Scottish girl brought up by two classical music uh, fans and my parents um what is it that's connecting me just what you're saying what is it connecting me to the music what is it that that, that I'm getting from this um and so so I did that and I like I, I made an album whilst I was um uh, doing that course um that uh, I'm in two minds about uh, re releasing actually because it's so dated but it just it, the whole album was like we would, I took the story of Madame Butterfly, which is uh, a really well-known opera, and I wrote the songs in, I guess you'd say an urban style or like a, a soul style. Um, and so I wrote the songs, performed them, produced them, all this kind of stuff. Um, and some of those songs are, well, I'm going to talk about it later, but when we talk about my EP, some of the songs that I produced then are going to be on the EP. But going back to your question about why I connect with it, um, I think it comes from uh, like quite a, a lot of the time it comes from quite a raw place. So people like Amy Winehouse that you mentioned before, um, but even going further back, people like Aretha Franklin is an absolute idol of mine. Shaka Khan, um, amazing, amazing singer and songwriters as well. Um, Stevie Wonder, uh, you know, these are all people that get mentioned a lot because they are icon like, iconic in the literal sense. Um, legendary and you know it's it's a lot about um, exposing your soul to people I guess um, but also just the, the music of it is it's rooted in gospel music and gospel music was all about praising God of course um, and showing your reverence to that um, and as it moved into a more secular thing of um, talking about you know people or partners or people you're in love with um, or hard times you were going through, it started then reflecting on the people that were within your life. So, um, so yeah, I don't know. There's all of that, all those elements, just really, really speak to me. Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's so interesting because I one didn't know that you had done an urban style Madame Butterfly at all. <laughs> and I've now, listeners, I have now learned something about one of my best friends I've known for. <laughs> all right, <laughs> who are you? 
in Kerbat. Right. <laughs> that's incredible. That's so. Mm-hmm. And I know what you mean about the soul because I remember my um, singing teacher at high school saying, you know, um, she used to describe herself in such interesting, um, very spiritual ways. And I now as a spiritual person, I'm like, oh, actually, I get what she was on about. But at the time I thought, she's a dafty. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. What are they on about? (laughs) She used to say, and I remember this so vividly, that she'd go, her father said she should be a... um, She said to her father she was going to either go and study music or be a doctor. And her Mm -hmm. father said, well, you know, if, if you become a doctor you're saving people's bodies, but if you become a musician, you're saving their souls. And I would be like, Ooh. And I thought, that's, that's wow. deep. And at the time I thought, what's a soul? Because <laughs> I didn't have one. Oh my goodness. <laughs> a soul, <laughs> pal, very Bart Simpson of me. Um, <laughs> so interesting. And I know that you, you're, um, you're quite a typical Capricorn that way, that you're a very, very um, eloquent speaker, but you don't like to toot your own horn too much. But then you did go mm. back to uni to then do your MA in London, I which did, yeah. I would love you to talk a little bit about if you wouldn't mind. Mm. And the, dif- yeah, totally. the difference about doing your sort of undergrad and your master's, because they're completely mm. different courses. Yeah, well, they're not just completely different courses, but also I, I was a completely different person doing both of them. Um, so, you know, when I started doing the course, I was, oh, 20? 21 um and uh i started doing this course um back in it was 2019 2020 um i did the masters very recently literally that was the thing i was working on um quite soon before the pandemic hit um and uh you know when i first did the degree course it was really about exposing myself to what was even involved in uh contemporary music and the music industry you know we did things like fast track entrepreneurship Um, So this is back in like 2004, 2005. It was, you know, this kind of information was not as readily available as it is now. Um, And, you know, being a musician, you know, I was like, I just want to sing and I just want to write music and I just want to gig and that's all I want to do, which which is lovely. And it would be great if we could all just do that. But the truth of the matter is, it's called music business for a reason. It's the business of music. And, you know, if you just want to sing and you just want to perform for the love of doing it, that's absolutely wonderful and beautiful and people should definitely, definitely do that. But if you want to do it as a career and you want to be paid rightly so for the work that you do and the talent that you have and the skills that you have, then you need to take it on a bit of a business flip as well, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So... So I was very much like, no, whatever, I don't care about the business part. I just want to write and, you know, do all this thing. Um, and that was fine. Um, but uh, I realized um, when uh, I got into my late 30s that um, I'd really become disconnected with creating music um, and lost a lot of confidence in my creativity. Um, partly... There were a few people that I was close to at the time that really didn't help to elevate my opinion of myself, shall we say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when when you're somebody who, um, I'll talk about this a bit later, but when you're somebody who um, has uh, anxiety and depression that you um, deal with, you are um, more susceptible to the opinions of other people and especially people that you hold in high regard or, you know, um, I'm not saying this is, uh, these are the specific people, but family members, friends, um, all this kind of stuff, you know, it's more, 
you know, you're more susceptible to it. And, you know, I, I wasn't, I didn't have as high a self-esteem or self-worth at the time. So I was looking for all this external validation from other people. So I was almost kind of victim to, if somebody didn't like what I was doing, I really, really took it to heart um, a lot more than I would now. So I lost a lot of confidence in my musical ability other than just singing covers because there's a safety in doing that at times, you know. Um, for somebody who's, who's able to write their own songs and wants to produce their own songs um, because you're singing other people's songs. So if you're singing other people's songs, there's if somebody doesn't like it, it's almost like they don't like that song or they don't like whoever wrote it. Mm. If you've written the songs and you perform them and they don't like it, it's almost like they don't like you. Do you know well, what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, it's, it's an exposing thing. Listen, singing alone, you know this even more now. But singing is such an exposing thing. You know, you are the instrument. If you play guitar, you play piano, anything else, you know, you have an instrument that you, you know, not that you would necessarily do this, but you could blame, okay, well, the tuning's off on the guitar, or, um, oh, it's an old piano, so it doesn't sound great. But when somebody tells you you're not singing well, or that what you're doing isn't good, it's almost like they're talking about you not being any good, you know? So it's such an exposing thing, um, which uh, is a, a big part of why teaching became a part of my life, which we'll talk about as well. Um, but that's, uh, that was a big thing for me that I'd just kind of lost confidence. And uh, so I went back to do the masters really as a way to get me back into the zone with that, get back to creating music, get back to meeting other musicians. Um, being in an environment where I needed to create things, um, produce things, learn new skills that I had no idea about or no confidence in. And like what I learned in that year and the friendships that I made and the people I reconnected with from, because I was in London, so I've reconnected with a lot of people who um, I'd known uh, when I'd lived there before. Um, you know, it was just such an amazing experience and I got so much more out of it because I was there to just take it all in um, and use whatever I could get from the course um, and uh, being in London, gigging there, any opportunities that were there, I was so much more on top of that and taking all the things in about, you know, business-wise, how to kind of manage that a little bit better as well. Um, obviously, the pandemic came and <laughs> kind of wrecked some of those, <laughs> those plans, but, the, you know, the, the foundation was reset to be able to um, kind of grow from that again. Yeah, it's quite funny. So I've got a couple of points I want to just like throw at you mm. that I I found now that I am trying to be a, a regular drag singer. You know, it's it's so interesting. You talk about this exposing part, and I totally get you completely because I remember dropping my first cover that was literally looking back because it was nearly a year ago. I think, mm. oh god, it was literally just me singing along to an instrumental in my like spare room for YouTube it's not even that big a deal but at the time I think fuck me I was so like everything was heightened everyone in the world is gonna watch this on YouTube and exactly it's terrifying terrifying but it's, it's funny because I felt that you know by doing that and it's weird saying this but I felt by doing that now I'm nervous about doing it live because I think well actually mm. live I can't edit that out so people are gonna see it. you got one shot and that's it <laughs> Inko as a live performer, actually, maybe the charisma and the adrenaline would make me actually better at performing it and evoking it. And it's interesting because I kind of think about the fact that, well, you know what, I put myself out there in a YouTube setting that 
anyone could write nasty comments, put thumbs down. Whereas now I go, Absolutely. if I was in a room that felt like a safe space and a venue I loved working in and family, friends and randoms that were there, I just think that would really help. So it's interesting hearing you talk about that. And for me, um, I will say just as your friend, but as someone that's also mm. you, that <laughs> when you were talking about the undergraduate, it was very much a matter of fact of, oh, I went and did this and learned stuff mm. because I didn't know much. And I'm like, right, cool. But you lit up talking about that masters and that's the mm. difference I can see as a friend, but also as let's say a colleague right now hosting that go, mm. you went, this is what happened. And then with masters, it was these people, the course. And I went, whoa, where's that change came from? That's interesting. So oh, yeah. it's great yeah. to see how much of an impact that course has clearly had. And I know you obviously. Massive. It's good that you as a as an, a guest are telling people, you know, I actually lost confidence. I felt like I was Oh completely. Was but I, as your friend, go, yeah, I actually know what you were like. And I think mm. the parallel between this that you as a singer doing a lot of covers, mm. I could compare that to a drag queen that's constantly lip syncing the same songs. That mm-hmm. be your you wanna be your fully realized artist. Yeah. And drag and singing and let's face it, in nightclubs especially, there's such an expectation of you got a voice, sing Whitney, you're a drama queen, like not drama queen is in a bad my lip sync artist. You oh, do, yeah, got you. do um, the the song from Funny Girl. Do you know what I mean? Like that sort of Yes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yes. so it's interesting. And I just loved watching your face light up. I feel like you've got mm. something to say. Thanks. Oh, thank you. Um, no, it's uh, yeah, it's funny you should um, should should bring that up. Uh, this whole thing of um, trying to be yourself when there are other expectations kind of put on you as to either what kind of artist you people think you are, or whether people even know that you're an artist. And this is a big thing that um, you know the the pandemic kind of highlighted to me was the fact that there are a lot of people that don't even know that I write my own songs. There are not a lot of people that know that I, half of the stuff that I've done because I never talk about it. And the thing you're talking about being a typical Capricorn, um, you know, I do struggle with to put my own horn. And this is common through so many musicians. Again, it's like a business skill of being able to sell yourself. It seems really disingenuous or like you're really, I don't know, kind of forcing people to, to listen to you or whatever. Um, so... That's the biggest thing that I've kind of been realizing is that unless I actually share these skills and these things that I uh, feel and are doing and know about, then nobody is going to know. And so if nobody knows, then, you know, nothing's going to happen. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, so it's, um, it definitely highlighted that in a positive way. It ha- helped um, to highlight that and use the skills that I've learned and the new confidence that I do have um, to to push forward with that. Yeah, and it's so interesting because I know that you're a versatile and switch like myself. But <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I know that you're very good at doing different styles. From when I used to see you do all these kind of diva ballads, and because you got a voice, you got proper the voice. Like um, with like church, you would do all these songs, and I remember being like to you, "Oh, I'm d- I'm doing my night at glazed at the street, and mm. I I don't know. I'm wanting to explore having PA vocalists. Would you like to do? Yeah, yeah. Do things like like I didn't say you had to I was like sort of vibe like missing Todd Terry and mm. and finally and you remember I remember you being like that is my thing like I want to yes. do I thought really and oh yeah and I had you and obviously Ellen Highwater for like six mm-hmm. months swapping 
doing it every month. It was so uh, much fun. It was so much fun. It was so much fun. It was so good. And like you say, like I'm not, I, I'm all encompassing of anything that's connected to soul music. So a lot of house music um, is, you know, rooted in soul, uh, funk, all that kind of stuff. Um, and like the nineties, nineties uh, house music and stuff. And ah, oh, I just, I, I love it. Garage as well. Obviously, we oh. we connected massively on the garage night and liquid rims. Oh. It was so good. Um, yeah, garage, everything. So, yeah, all, all of that. I love all of that part yeah. as well. It was so, so good. Oh, brilliant. And, you know, yeah, this is so interesting. So, because I remember, you know, um, I didn't know you very well at the time. But when mm. we were doing church, there was one occasion we were in church. And I think John and Donald must have been away on, like, a DJ shift um, down south mm. and international-wise. Uh, and you had... And I really was surprised. I, I kind of went in, Oh, okay. I don't know what's happening because I didn't know you that well. But you yeah. on and I heard the do 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 and I was like, what is and I went, is this Leanne Rhymes? What? <laughs> and you came on and you did and I was like, this is one of my songs. Yes. Oh, but I remember seeing you so and not out of your comfort zone, but just mm. able to Really allow yourself to do something that you loved and the room I remember the room you at one point did that singer thing of you did that and tell me now and they all started fucking screaming the word yeah. uh, like, I, love that. I love when that happens honestly there's nothing nothing better when everyone's singing along I know some some singers will get annoyed about it but they're like no 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 it's me having my moment blah 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 no I love when everyone's like yes come on let's get into this let's all sing along together it's sticking the mic in people's faces whatever like I'm I'm all there for it that's what that kind of night is for do you know what I mean it's not a stand here and perform for me anyway it's not a stand here and perform and just deliver the song you know everyone is there to be part of that night and enjoy it and if they're going for it and they're singing away who am I to stop them and there is that electric buzz in the air that yeah. like buzz and that feedback that if a crowd sings it's like when I used to DJ at CC's obviously back mm. pre-pandemic and mm -hmm. there would be you know if it was naughty the amount of times I would like something like Lady Marmalade and it's like Tina's bit that you can do brilliantly obviously and it's that yes. more and more and the amount of times I would just turn it down and people would go nah I'm <laughs> Who's just go for it. I'm not even gonna like have the music on and it'd be hilarious, but uh, yeah. really worked, you know what I mean? Um, that's great. So, you know, we talked about church and mm -hmm. your music work and stuff, and it's so interesting that, you know, pre-pandemic, you know, what were you doing? What were you kind of doing before the pandemic hit? Well, uh, so we already talked about the fact that I'd done the masters and I'd literally uh, my graduation was in November. Um, uh, when was it? November. Uh, 2019 um, is that right 2020 yeah. I, do you know what it honestly feels like this this last year has just not even <laughs> in a way it's kind of like it's not happened um but it was like years and years ago it's like god was it really 20, 2019 yeah it must have been um so yeah November 2019 so uh coming out of that I was um planning I was kind of going between Edinburgh um, and London still um, doing, I had the residency at the Church of High Kicks, um, I had another residency down, um, down south as well uh, uh, in Chelsea um, so I was doing more jazz and neo soul covers and things like that um, and because I'd reconnected one, with some people uh, during the Masters and met new people, I was planning on doing uh, gigs with them um, working on music with them uh, collaborating um, and so most of the projects were in person both in Edinburgh and London, um, which of course um, the pandemic threw a massive spanner in the works with that of being able to do stuff in person. 
um, which, you know, as the pandemic's gone on, been able to mitigate that. But uh, yeah, it was mostly um, trying to work on new music, gigging and, um, and teaching as well. Yeah, and it's, but the thing is, you know, a lot of artists, musicians, I speak to everyone basically these days, mm. like with the podcast, you know, ban the pandemic didn't actually completely stop you in ways, you know, you mm. to produce, put together mm -hmm. stuff, and I know that you have later a preview, which is going to be so exciting to listen to, mm -hmm. but you've been managing to navigate that all, and I would love for you to share what you've been kind of doing during the pandemic. Mm. So, uh, so I had to upgrade my home studio, um, which I've been planning on doing for ages, but it's one of those things, it's like, oh, do you know what, I can, I can just go to my mate's studio and record this stuff, or, you know, oh, I'll get round to it eventually. And so <laughs> once the pandemic hit, it was like, okay, it's really important that I get this done now because otherwise I'm going to really cut myself off from being able to do anything um, creative um, or collaborate with people because it's really the only way we can do it right now. Um, so I did a little bit of an update and so I started um, doing work about halfway through. So it was about six months into the pandemic. Um, I started working seriously on my um, EP, which was due to be released uh, next month but because of you know all the restrictions and the various things that's happening it keeps on getting pushed so I uh, I annoyingly don't have a date to confirm at this point summer 2021 is the aim and hopefully it's going to stay that way fingers crossed um so during that time I was able to record um like vocals at home do demos at home um do kind of group even did some group collaboration um like in real time which was wild being able to do that um it took a long time <laughs> a lot of trial and error to be able to do it for any musicians that are listening that are interested in doing real-time collaborations with people um vst connect is the thing that you want to have a look at um i don't know all the ins and outs of the technical parts luckily the people i was collaborating with had a little bit more know-how than i did um but it is a free um uh, a free uh, software that you can use um, and uh, I think there is a pro version um, but uh, but as far as I'm aware you don't have to you don't have to pay for it um, and uh, yeah so I was able to I was doing like little recordings just of covers to test out but doing um, you know live recordings of covers and it was just wild um, never thought we'd get to this point now and because to be honest it was always going to get to that point eventually with the way that technology is going but I think it's just sped everything up um, I think that's one of the things that's uh, come up for musicians in a positive light is that technology has been coming and has been around for <laughs> forever, um, but it's pushing people into um, exploring these uh, avenues sooner than, than they might have done, um, which has been great. So on, yeah, on a creative level, it's been, um, it's been great to um, be able to collaborate with people when you're stuck at home. Yeah, and it's like, you know, I would like you to, if you don't mind, to talk us through, mm. you know, kind of, obviously don't spoil too much, but what <laughs> has been your creative practice in writing lyrics, putting music together, mm -hmm. and what's your kind of, what's the kind of setup and the style going to be? Mm -hmm. So, uh, so with the EP um, that I'm doing, so it's all um, self-written songs, so I've, uh, I've written all the songs. Um, uh, one of them is uh, the song you're going to hear later, it's called Hear It From Her. Uh, it's one of the songs I was talking about that I wrote during the time I was on the degree. Um, so that's the one that's taken the story, a part of the story from Madame Butterfly, and I've kind of modernized it in a way, or put it into my own kind of words. Um, it's a song that's followed me from then on, and I was like, I really, really need to 
release this because um, it's a song that means a lot to me. Um, and uh, the guys that I'm working with to produce the EP, um, you know, they were some of the first guys, you know, this is the fourth inca uh, incarnation, should I say, of this song. And they were around for like the second one and the third one and this kind of final, uh, final edition. So it's kind of nice. They've been on that kind of journey of, uh, with that song with me um, since its inception. So that's really cool. Um, uh, but yeah, so I've written all the songs um, and uh, my friends um, have co-produced it with me. Um, help me with the production side. Um, so I did all the demoing and everything from home. Um, and then uh, I went down to London before the Christmas lockdown happened um, to record all the vocals. Um, and my friend Nick's Place, who um, runs um, Brother... Uh, now, let me get this right. Brother, Son, Sister, Moon Productions. <laughs> if I'm going to give him a plug, I better get the name right. <laughs> so I went down there to do all the vocal recording because um, he has an amazing setup and you know we're just we're really good friends so it was just a really great excuse to spend time with him really <laughs> um, and uh, so got all of that done and you know at the moment because I want it all to be live instruments um, and so we're waiting to get the the drums laid down by my lovely friend Dave, Dave Browning um, and yep, yeah, so just waiting, waiting on that getting done so we can get, we're going to have some live horns on it. It's all going to be like neo soul, um, neo soul based R&B, all the stuff that I, I really, um, I really love uh, is going to be in the CP. So I'm super excited. I'm frustrated slightly because of the, <laughs> the slowdown with it. Nobody's fault is, it is how it is. Um, but you know, I'm like, you know, I like to get stuff done. I want to get it done now. Um, so, uh, yeah, trying to temper my patience and just be like, this is just how it is. This is how it's going. It's going to happen eventually. Don't worry. Uh, so, yeah, I'm just re I'm really excited to uh, to get it done. Yeah. It's funny because sometimes these things as an artist, you know, you sit and it's that infamous like gift that's a dog sitting there drinking tea, but everyone's on fire. And he goes, this is fine. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Um, yeah, right. I have a question, though, that has sprung to my mind as an artist, mm. but as a writer mm. i you've talked about the ep in depth there with the style the theme but i want to kind of know you know like i have said earlier i love like songs mm. like lana del rey's uh, born to die paradise album i love that kind mm. of vibe mm. and that's very much songs about sex taboo subjects older men daddy Go issues on. and i'm sitting going i can see why i resonate <laughs> <laughs> uh, i would just like to kind of know what are the kind of themes for yours? You know, have you wrote mm. songs about feminism, empowerment, heartbreak? You know, I would love for you to share that part of it as well. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, um, so the the running theme, I mean, I guess with a lot of um, a lot of music, love is a connector between them. But if I think about the songs I've written, so um, so hear it from her is about um, you know. Uh, finding out that somebody maybe wasn't exactly how you expected them to be um, and it's actually the only song on the EP that is not something I've experienced personally it's something that was informed by the story of Madame Butterfly and I took that and worded it into a way of how would I have been if this happened kind of taking that Kate Bush approach you know a lot of the time when she writes she's not writing from personal experience she's writing from a story that she's read or a fairy tale or things like this and she creates music from that um so other than that the other songs are all things that i've experienced so one of them the one that took the longest to write and like because you know yourself some songs come easier than others um to to actually write 
Um, and so the one that was hardest was um, one called Keep Going. And it was, uh, it ended up being about my mum, who sadly died five years ago from brain cancer. Um, and I wanted to write a song that related to her, but I didn't want it to be, I don't know, I didn't want it to be like a, a really obvious uh, tribute to her, if that, if that makes sense. Totally does. So, so yeah, so it took, it took a while for me to be able to write that and really get the words that I wanted to say and the way that I wanted to um, deliver the song. Um, one of the ones that was easier <laughs> was one of the songs called Heal is about, uh, that one actually is about empowerment. So uh, it's looking at um, the story of somebody who has maybe used people in a sexual way to validate them, right? Relatable. Um, relatable, okay. Um, and, uh, uh, and suddenly kind of coming to a realization that actually that's not the way that you're going to develop self-worth or self-esteem by trying to basically get it from other people. Um, and, uh, and so that song is really about, you know, trying to find a way to heal yourself rather than trying to, tr thinking that other people are going to help do that for you. Um, so uh, yeah, that one, that one came relatively, uh, relatively easily, no pun intended. Yeah. And it's funny because as you talk about that, Obviously, Afternoon Delight season three, we're looking at hope and we'll talk later mm. about your experience of hope and your kind of maybe low moment in, in life that was one little mm. low moment. But one of the things I literally talked about in my episode was hitting that low point where I was literally having sex with someone to make me feel like I was validated. And I actually yes. thought to myself, if I don't love myself doing this, this is not going to validate me. Exactly. And song one, I can't wait to hear it. <laughs> it very much I think with a lot of people during this pandemic especially that mm. thing on my self journey during the pandemic was reading mm. that book I always talk about that I don't want to plug anymore because they're not giving me money <laughs> and, um, and sort of that will really connect with me. a lot of I feel single people who've been sitting mm. in the house thinking what have I done with my life like I have right. 12 times in the last 12 months um, <laughs> it's really interesting and I really think that's a great one to connect with and I'm sure we'll touch later on your moment of hope. For me, one of the interesting things as a sort of artist and singer myself is I'd like to know from your point of view on is mm. you are a vocal coach and you do teach with the Academy of Sound based mm -hmm. in Edinburgh. And I would love to hear what your experiences have been like, you know, tutoring and doing vocal coach lessons because I'm doing them on Zoom with my vocal coach loads mm. and I love it. But in a weird way, you know, we only had two lessons live and then mm. it was transferred to online so I've never had that comparison really but totally. for you, this must have been a whole different playing field and I'd love to hear one your experience of mm. just doing it yourself but two is a sort of teacher role mm -hmm. so um so luckily for me when it comes to private teaching I'd, I'd already been doing uh teaching online um for a few years before um so like two or three years before that um just before i did the masters and certainly when i was doing the masters as a way to make some money um i had students in edinburgh who still wanted to continue lessons and were happy to do it online so um so luckily for me i actually already had experience in in doing that um but when it came to teaching um, with the academy of music and sound who i've taught with i've taught there for mm, oh goodness hang on 
since 2013, um, I've been I've been working there and um, done all kinds of different teaching teaching scenarios and like uh, I've started off as the vocal the vocal tutor there um, for the BTEC HNC HND course and then I started running the brand new. Uh, degree course that was there, uh, teaching on that too, um, doing all kinds of stuff. I mean, the list is endless of the kind of teaching stuff that I've done. I won't go dive well into that. But when it comes to online stuff, the thing that was trickiest to get used to was uh, group teaching on online. Um, and, you know, the thing with that is that you have to try and keep people engaged in a totally different way. Um, you know, you don't have the energy of being in the rooms. You know, you really have to plan out things much more meticulously in advance um, and, uh, you know, finding ways to keep it engaged. You know, talking to a camera for an hour is not going to keep people engaged. It's just not going to do it. Um, so, so, yeah, the trickier thing has been just finding ways that you would normally do in a classroom situation and trying to see how can we make that happen um, online. Um, also at the academy, I'm the lead teacher there, so I, um, I help the teachers to teach as well. Um, so I'm kind of looking after them and trying to help them to navigate that too. So it's kind of a dual thing for me. It's like, okay, I need to learn this for me, but I also need to learn it so I can help other people to, to do it as well. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so that's been, uh, it's been interesting <laughs> for sure. And um, yeah. yeah. No, and just thank God for your, I actually feel like the world did you a wee bit of a favour in that regard that your student said, we want to keep you, and you went down south, because I don't think, if you went, if you hadn't gone down south, maybe you would never have became an online teacher, then you wouldn't be able to transfer these skills to other, because there will be other teachers in your work that like, you've been doing this for a while, show me. Mm. And mm -hmm, absolutely. you're probably in a way very comfortable and confident, know your routine better than some people who would struggle. Like, you oh, know, because I remember when Lorna had offered me to do my lessons on Zoom, I wasn't mm. coping anyway in April when she offered me. So I was like, I just need time to kind of get my head around the fact that my whole life has been kind of turned upside down like everyone else. Mm. She was, you just email me when you're like ready. And I think mm. it got to June. And mm. obviously I'm in a Gemini rise and I shot up in June and went, oh, everything's going well now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I said to her, like, I'd like to start now on Zoom, I feel ready. Mm. And it was after dropping that cover. And she was like, yep, no problem, great. And that was it. And she mm. had, by that point, really gotten used to do it online. So I think maybe it would have been a learning curve for me and her to do it back in sort of like April, do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. It's yeah. really good to hear that you're managing. You're like me, though. You you adapt um, under pressure quite well, I feel, mm -hmm. uh, which can... Yeah a blessing and a curse in a way because then, it, oh, yes. because then you don't really want to ever do anything because you want to procrastinate unless shit is mm -hmm. uh, yeah that's it completely yeah once the pressure is on then you get it done if it's not then it's like okay maybe I could do this maybe I could do that I don't know um but it's interesting what you say about uh um you know you choosing to not have lessons for a while and just kind of get your head sorted out because the biggest um, issue for me was um a lot of people were in the same boat when the pandemic hit of just not being in the the frame of mind to be doing lessons or, um, or that some people saw it as a release from the situation that they were in and that was great uh, but for some other people even though it was something they enjoyed doing they're like I've just got too many other things going on in my mind or my family situation or work or anything else um, that meant that they can do it so actually towards the start of the pandemic the amount that I was teaching was was very limited um, and as the pandemic has progressed and as we've been in this a little bit longer, um, 
people have either started coming back or have started exploring the option of doing things online. Um, I think something, especially with singing, uh, I think any music actually, but to be honest, with singing, people get the idea that it, unless you're in the same room that it's not really possible to get as much out of it. And it's absolutely, it's absolutely not true, to categorically. I mean, you can back me up on this one, but, um, but uh, yeah, it's not, um, you know, th there's really not a disadvantage at all. I mean, the way I like to look at it, right, to just help my listeners kind of, you know, go, oh, well, I don't know, I've been singing on stages my whole life and I don't know if I want to do this. All I'll say is Dua Lipa started singing covers on YouTube and was picked up. And you just, you don't know, maybe that What's would that? be full. Uh, I don't think she'd <laughs> be in the good books right now, obviously, with the whole stay at home mm. and jetting off. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I just remember knowing, you know, when I was Googling, her ages ago when she dropped her Future Nostalgia album and it was like, well, she started out just doing covers on YouTube and I thought, oh, that's a riot. Okay. Why yeah. not? So, yeah. And it is... Oh, there's, there's people getting signed up on TikTok to major labels having just, you know, posted lots of videos. A couple of them go viral. That's it, you know. There's, social media is a very strong, uh, a strong tool. It's not everybody is going to get, but, you know, consistency and really just keeping at it for a while. It's not going to take a few videos, it's going to take a few years, okay? Do not believe this whole thing about overnight success. It does not exist. Consistency and keeping at it is what, what gets people. The people that keep on persisting, keep on learning, keep on growing, those are the people that, that get picked up, get, get noticed. Yeah, and it's, it's so funny because, you know, you're talking about um, having that resilience and that determination, but it must get exhausting to be a musician right now. And obviously, we're at, mm. we're at 12 um, months, officially, this week of lockdown, which was a bit rubbish to read. It's been actually, Mad. I know for a fact that it's been 12 months and two weeks for me because I went into an earlier lockdown when I was shielding. Um, right. So, yeah, yeah. So I would love to know kind of what have you been doing to cope the last 12 months? Oof, what have I not been doing to try and cope is a shorter question. <laughs> um, so when the, when the pandemic first hit, um, I was doing a lot of cooking at home, um, the claiming kitchen that me and my brother um, were, were doing. We still got it. It's on a little bit of a hiatus at the moment while both of us are working quite a lot, but uh, it's still there and we're going to come back. We're going to do it. Um, but yeah, so I was doing a lot of that and... Um, uh, so that kept me kind of going when there wasn't a lot of work. I mean, obviously, the performance work just completely disappeared. Um, and uh, as I say, the teaching was minimal at that point whilst everyone was trying to get things together. Um, so that really helped um, doing that. Um, and then as things went on and realized it wasn't just going to be a, you know, a couple of months thing, that this was a longer term thing, um, that's when things started to get a lot more difficult to, to manage. Um, and for me, like I've, uh, I've lived with um, health anxiety um, and depressive episodes for oof, going on 16, 17 years now. Um, and it's something that I never used to talk to people about um, because... Uh, you know, in, in growing up in my family, um, you know, it wasn't really something that we, we talked about. Um, and there was this whole thing of, you know, uh, vulnerability equals weakness. Um, and so it was like, okay, I just, as long as I don't talk about these things, then I'll be fine. Um, so, so, so anyway, going back to the pandemic, obviously be, being put in this situation, A, with a 
pandemic, so health being quite an important part to, to concern yourself with, obviously kind of ramped up um, on that part. Um, and, you know, I've been to uh, therapy for it before, so I did have some coping skills to deal with it. But in such an intense atmosphere and a, a way that we have never, ever lived before, you know, your normal coping mechanisms kind of go out the window for a certain amount of time. Um, and uh, so as it got towards the summer, I was really not in a good place mentally at all. My health anxiety was through the roof. Um, I was pretty depressed at that point. I just was really disconnected from a lot of my friends, uh, family and everything. Um, I just didn't know what I was doing. I felt kind of fits, fits with today's um, uh, podcast, this whole thing of like hope. I felt pretty hopeless and really not sure of what was going on, where things were going to go. Um, and so it all, got, it all got a little bit much, let's say. And I think uh, anyone that's listening to this can relate to that. You know, everyone I know has had, maybe not to this extreme, but has had some type of hard time during this. It's, you know, it'd be impossible not to. Um, so for me, I actually had uh, counselling for um, about four or five months um, of this pandemic through um, Project 42, who um, they offer online counselling <clears throat> and they do it for um, uh, depending on your income. So for people on a low income, um, you know, they, uh, you can pay uh, a much lower or sometimes if you're in certain situations, you actually get free counselling, which is absolutely amazing. Um, and, uh, you know, they're a gym. It's a gym that I used to go to before the pandemic hit. Um, I was going there for a while, so I, I already knew about them gym-wise. Um, but with their memberships, uh, I think this is still right. I didn't actually check before I came in here to check. This is still the statistics. It should be. Um, they were saying that I think it's 60% of the gym memberships um, that are paid for goes towards this online counselling and making it cheaper for people um, to be able to access it, which is amazing. So I really, really wanted to shout them out because they're doing amazing work um, with people. I've recommended them to anyone that will listen, and that includes your listeners today. Um, and uh, yeah, the, the help that I got um, with the online counselling there was absolutely brilliant um, and uh, really helped me to deal with um, a lot of the issues that were, were coming up and kind of re refocus and re regain some you know perspective and also um control over my um uh, over going going forward i don't want to like talk about controlling things because you're not you're not meant to control your feelings it wasn't about that it was just about having a better um management i guess of of what was going on and um you know yeah. dealing with that and it's so interesting because one of the things i often follow as a mantra is you know you can't control what other people can do, but you can control how you react. And that's not, for me, that's exactly. never, uh, like, if you're upset, you can't be upset. You need to be happy because like I say to you all the time when we've been drunk mm. on wine on Zoom or we're mm -hmm. sober drinking coffee during the day, you know, exactly. I went through a similar thing where in my family it was, you know, you don't show weakness outside the house because then everyone knows that there's problems going on in mm. the house. And mm. that's actually, you know, the older I get and, and the more people I talk to in general and on like, you know, podcasts, there seems to have been a thing happening societally all the time that we yeah. really, I'm hoping are changing, especially mm. with things like the Caroline Flat documentary coming out, you know, we're very much, yeah. I'd mentioned that in the first episode, which was myself and I want to bring it up again, mm. you know, that, that thing of we should be able to say when things aren't going well. And, and I feel like me and you are very much behind that movement and we talk about that all the time and you're creating yeah. work 
like that, similar to me, that I've done shows like that about sensitive mm. things in a safeguarded way, but talking about sort yeah. of those sad feelings because what goes up comes down and life is never always happy. And this, yes. this, um, this... Toxic positivity is the... I, I cannot, I cannot be doing with it at all. It's really, really not healthy at all. No, not at all. You're totally so right. So, you know, obviously, I'm so glad you've came at the other end because you're not in counselling anymore, no? No, no, finished up, uh, I think it was about a month and a half ago. But interestingly, I started up, um, uh, I kind of started doing a, 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 like, I call it a self, uh, self-care session <laughs> for myself. So um, every week that I used to have the counselling session, I put that aside to have time to myself to kind of check in with uh, how I'm feeling, what things are on my mind, um, what things I need to get out. Maybe I need to have a cry. Maybe I'm, I've had a great week and so I really want to be happy about it. You know, that whole thing that you're saying, completely right, that life isn't linear. You need to have those peaks and troughs and ups and downs. That's life. And if you're experiencing those, then you're actually experiencing life. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, so I've, I've kind of continued it on with myself um, afterwards yeah that's so great and I mean literally hon like yesterday I spent 104 pound on bath stuff like <laughs> <laughs> I knew we rehearsals with NTS this weekend next week I went my weekend is going to be lying in that bathtub yep. I've got well I've got a cushion I've got a new com- mm. and <laughs> so that's brilliant and self-care is so important and self-soothing Super. you're totally right you know what are your goals moving out of the pandemic to I hate saying this phrase eventual normality because I mm. like to think and I'm speaking to other artists on Instagram and Twitter all the time about mm. this you know we can in my opinion when things go back to normality go right mm. let's just erase everything that happened yes go back like that's not how this works absolutely what are your goals when you know when everyday life returns Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting you say that because that's literally what I was going to say as well. Um, that this idea of going back to normal um, or back to how everything was, I don't want to go back to how everything was. Do <laughs> I really don't. Yeah. I really don't. I don't think it was. I don't think it was healthy. And you know, of course, this is the absolute ex- extreme uh, of where we want to be. But I think some happy medium between the two. You know, the, the fact that people are actually taking more time for self care, actually thinking. Uh, that that's a important and b making time to do it you know we need to keep those things going and that's actually one of my goals personally is to maintain this healthier approach to life in general because the problem with going back to normal or things opening up again and all these other things that uh, you know is is it's going to be a challenge I think at least speaking for myself to not get pulled back into the maybe slightly unhealthier um, approaches to life or you know certain people that I've maybe distanced myself from um, not being uh, in, involved in that so much um, it's much more difficult when you're faced with that it's, you know kind of you're in a safe space being able to you know stay in your house and follow through these things so for me personally I want to maintain that kind of healthier approach to um, my life um, I want to release my music, finally, um, <laughs> my EP. But uh, I also have been doing a project with a friend of mine, Aldo, um, where we're doing um, our dance music. Um, so as I was saying before, 90s dance fan especially. Um, but, you know, we've got lots of different uh, influences on that. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're putting work in for that. That's probably going to be released around the same time in the summer. Um, so it's going to be a heavy, heavy release month for me, which I can't wait. Um, looking so forward to it. 
Um, and uh, so in the meantime, whilst um, we're doing work on that, um, I've kind of been upskilling a bit. So that seems to be the buzzword at the moment, upskilling. Um, so I've been, uh, I've been applying for funding to um, improve on my uh, production skills so I can produce more professional level um, uh, demos, tracks, vocal production from home um, because I have some amazing friends that help me so much. Um, they're, they're brilliant. But the next step is I want to be able to do that myself and not necessarily have to rely on other people to be able to do the things that I want to do or make, make some of the music that I want to make. Um, and I also really like to get into uh, more top lining work. Um, for people that don't know, top lining is where somebody has made a track and they get somebody else, like me, to write the lyrics and write the melody for a track. Um, and I've done some of that during um, the, during the pandemic, um, but I would like to do more of that and the way that I'm going to be able to access doing more of that is up in my production skills. So um, doing more of that and uh, yeah, just, you know, preparing for these releases, learning more about the business side of it. Um, you know, for, for a lot of people, especially young, young artists and people that I teach who are interested in doing this as a career, um, you know, they're like, oh, but there's so much to the business side. And there is, don't get me wrong, there's so many things to think about. Um, but having the knowledge about what those things are means that you can pick and choose the things that you're either good at or you enjoy doing. Uh, but you can also know, do you know what? This is something I'm either not very good at or I'm really not interested in doing. And I know what I need to ask somebody else to do to help me do it. Um, so there's power in knowing as much as you can about every area of whatever your business is. Mm. Um, and there's so many webinars, there's so many resources on social media, um, you know, people are doing a webinar, free webinars on, or uh, uh, like webinars, uh, Instagram Lives, um, TikTok tutorials. There's all kinds of stuff that's out there, but putting a bit of time aside to really, you know, get into it, um, I'd say is super, super important. And I'm, I'm trying to do that too. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I saw a TikTok that showed you how to wash your mattress. Like that's it. Oh, come on. And was losing their craze going, oh my God, how did none of us know this? Um, <laughs> understand what you mean. It, it's so interesting to hear all that. And, you know, we can't obviously say just yet, like if we mm. can, if this is a definite yes, but I know that mm. you're maybe like myself, potentially going to go back to uni to train as a counsellor, maybe, mm, you're not too possibly, sure. Possibly, potentially. I do love a course, you know. One of my friends uh, teases me all the time, like, what course are you doing next, is <laughs> But, um... Do you know what? But I, I do. I I really love learning. I'm just one of one of them. I I really love it. I love the the structure of it, and I love learning new things. And as as much as I love music, psychology is also another part that I I'm absolutely fascinated by. Mm. Um, and obviously, my own personal experiences with counselling, therapy, all that kind of stuff has um, definitely influenced that. Um, but also, I just I really like to help people. You know, um, uh, that's the thing with like teaching. I love teaching people how to sing. I love teaching people how to use these tools so they can go off and do it themselves. Um, uh, other subjects that I teach at college too, anything to do with teaching, it's because I love helping people and helping them to get the best out of themselves. Um, so, uh, you know, counselling is definitely something, it's not, a new, it's not a new thing that's come to my mind. You know, I remember when I used to do singing lessons um, at my parents' house and uh, my mum used to comment uh, a few times on um, students would come and we'd spend like 85, 90% of the lesson talking. Um, and, uh, you know, they come out and my mum would go, 
you ever thought about counselling, Suze? Because you seem to do quite a lot of this in your lessons. <laughs> and the thing is, you know yourself that singing is such a, there's such a massive psychological element to it as well. Um, and, you know, because we're our instruments, you know, if our mind's not right and we're, you know, worried about things or, you know, worried about that high note happening or you've had a bad experience when you were at school of a teacher telling you you couldn't sing or things like this, you know, those things stick with you and you know my job a lot of the time is to try and unpick all of that to let people sing the way that they want to sing so so funnily enough I've kind of been doing a bit of that throughout my teaching career anyway um so uh, so yeah no that's definitely definitely something that's interesting to me <laughs> that's absolutely brilliant so we've reached that infamous question mm -hmm. three more questions technically right but we've reached the infamous question that every guest will be asked this time. And it can mm -hmm. be very invasive and very intense, or it can be so lighthearted and lovely and wholesome. And I'll leave that to you. But the question I will be asking all my guests that I had to answer myself was, we are looking at hope. Was there ever one moment in particular in your whole life that things were tough, not going the way you wanted, you'd reached a real low point, mm -hmm. and that hope got you through that? And I'd love mm -hmm. you to share yours. So, so for me, is uh, I think for me, uh, the one thing I've connected hope with is my singing um, on, a, on a general level. You know, um, it's always something that I've been able to rely on when everything's been shit. Um, nothing feels like it's going right in my life. That's always been something I've been able to, to turn to. So I guess if I think of one particular example of this, um, that kind of brings hope to mind is when I was at high school they had this talent show right and it was Top of the Pops again showing my age um, <laughs> so it's Top of the Pops right and um, so I was like great I'm gonna I'm gonna enter into this competition and I was doing Unbreak My Heart by Tony Braxton right Cla classic classic tune I was 14 at the time I'll add right and uh, back then the internet no uh, if you wanted to get a backing track, <laughs> you had to get a CD of it from a music shop or from a friend that ran a karaoke night. I don't know, something like that. I was 14. I didn't know anyone at that point that I could have got CDs from. Um, and so I went to the music shops. I was looking everywhere to try and find this backing track. Couldn't find it anywhere. So I went, okay, I'm going to have to do it with the track playing. So we were doing the tech uh, rehearsal. And the track was playing, and I was saying, and I was like, oh, this is really, no, this is not working. So, um, okay, I'm going to have to do a cappella. Now, bless my ignorant soul, I didn't really understand how difficult a cappella singing actually is. I've grown up, like, around classical music, where you do a cappella singing all the time. Um, so I didn't think of it as a particularly challenging thing to do. Um, but keeping in tune the whole way through a song and also, you know, hitting all of the points in time, all this. It's actually a very difficult skill. So props to me at 14 for being like, I'm going to do this, right? Um, so, uh, so, yeah, so it came to the show. I was like, great. Now, I will preface this with saying that I was mercilessly bullied when I was at school. Every day from like the age of five, six years old, um, I got, uh, you know, like uh, fat phobia from people, you know, even at times that I actually, looking back, I wasn't even, I wasn't even fat. That was the worst thing. But, um, you know, I got called fat, I got called ugly, you know, people had all kinds of things to say uh, about me. So 
the one thing that kept um, kind of kept me uh, hopeful, I guess, or kept me from really losing all hope at all was the fact that I had this talent for singing and uh, music in general, but particularly singing. And so I got up on the stage and as I was getting on the stage, the minute my, my foot hit the floor, people started shouting stuff out. I won't even repeat what they're saying, but, you know, like, really, like, nasty, nasty shit, right? So I go on the stage going, oh, my God, oh, right, okay. Uh. You know, you're trying to get your, ner your nerves together just to sing, let alone when people are hurling abuse at you from the stage. And there was, like, a couple of hundred people in, in the hall. So I was like, oh, okay, right, fine. So I started singing. And the minute I got through the first line, the whole place went silent you could hear a pin drop. And I was like, okay, everyone's quiet now. I'm getting goosebumps. So I sang through the song and, you know, I, I know it wasn't totally spot on. I probably cracked a couple of notes and, you know, all these other, all these other things that I as a, you know, have a very high standard for myself and most things, as you know. Um, so in my head, I'm like, this didn't work, that didn't work, no, 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 no. But anyway, I got through the song um, pretty well, a cappella, sang the song, got to the end, and everyone went mad. They were like cheering, clapping, like, oh my God, this is amazing. And I was like, oh, that's great. Everyone, everyone enjoyed it. Thank goodness. So it gets to when they were announcing who the winner is. And so I'm sitting there and I'll admit it now. I didn't admit it to myself then, but I sat there thinking I was going to win because I was like, you know, the reaction that everyone had and all that kind of stuff, you know, I feel like, I feel like I'm going to win. And so they announced in uh, like reverse order. So it was like third place is this, second place is this. Da, da, da. So it gets to, in second place is Susie. And there was a silence. <laughs> and then they announced who the winner was. And people started getting up and leaving, shouting, Susanna, like Susanna's the winner. What, this is, but, and people started, they, they lost their minds. They were like, are you kidding me? This is ridiculous. And I'll point out, these were not my friends. Like out of 200 people that were there, I think I had about, I don't know, eight friends, <laughs> maybe 10. So these are people, they, they had no backing for me. They didn't even really, a few of them didn't even like me at all. Mm. But they were like, nope, that's totally ridiculous. We're not having it, da, 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 da. And, um, after that experience, I was like, do you know what? Even though these people are calling me names, making me feel like shit, making my life miserable with some of them, um, it's like, even then, they are not able to deny what I have as a singer and as a, a musician, especially as a singer. And that, after that, I was like, do you know what? I can always, I can always hold on to this as a, a feeling of, of hope that as long as I have this in my life, then I'm going to be all right. Wow. That, that is, I'm having my Oprah moment, but that is powerful. Mm. That was, that, wow. I'm, I'm really, I'm inside mm. healed and I've got oh. goosebumps. It's brilliant. <laughs> that performance always sticks mm. with you. Yeah. If I had to ask you your favorite performance you've ever done, what would it be? Oh, Okay, so it, yeah, it, well, do you know what? In a in a way, that is that is one of them. Um, but I'd say uh, on the on the flip side of that, um, I'd say um, performing at Shepherd's Bush Empire when um, uh, shortly after I moved to London was a really 
a really memorable um, performance. Um, it was uh, for the graduation um, from a tech music school. It was that at the time, and they, you know, selected some people to do the big massive performance at the end. Um, and so we, we did this. Um, it was a Destiny's Child and um, Beyonce medley. Um, so with like the creme de la creme of the <laughs> of the year, <laughs> um, and it was just amazing being on that being on that stage and like there being I don't know the thing was about a thousand somewhere between a thousand thousand five hundred people. Um, it was just so much fun and the people I was playing with it was absolutely amazing. But it's also <laughs> it's also kind of an embarrassing performance too because the dress that I was wearing right was a was a wrap dress. And we had these dance moves sorted out because it was Destiny's Child and Beyonce. You can't not have dance moves. Um, and one of these moves that I did, one side of my dress fell down off my shoulder. Now, thank goodness I had a brown because otherwise it would have <laughs> been even worse. <laughs> but it fell down and then I was like, oh. And in my head, I'm going, ah, like completely freaking out, going, oh, my God. Uh, so pull it back up. People just thought it was part of the show. <laughs> I was like, well, there we go. Clearly, I was being professional in that moment, but oh my God, in my head, I was like, this, oh my God, wow. The music oh. business, sell it, sell that's, it. Work. That's it. <laughs> Susie K, it's been so great to just sit and have what we would do at afters, but still. Totally. <laughs> unlike an afters, I will not be here till six in the morning doing that. No. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> when my show's done, but mm. it's been so incredible. Obviously, you're a big Afternoon Delight supporter and fan, and you Absolutely. love straight to the end to hear those inspiring quotes. And I want to hear what is going to be your inspiring quote to end the episode. Oh, okay, right. So I had a couple, right? And now I'm a massive Brene Brown fan. I'm obsessed with her work. She's absolutely brilliant. Um, and there's one quote now. It is a little bit longer than most, but you need the context to get, get what's happening at the end, right? So uh, just indulge me in this one, right? So, um, so it goes, uh, a lot of cheap seats in the arena are filled with people who never venture onto the floor. They just hurl mean-spirited criticisms and put-downs from a safe distance. The problem is, when we stop caring what people think and stop feeling hurt by cruelty we lose our ability to connect. But when we're defined by what people think, we lose the courage to be vulnerable. Therefore, we need to be selective about the feedback we let into our lives. For me, if you're not in the arena getting your ass kicked, I'm not interested in your feedback. That was absolutely incredible. Honestly. I can, you need to anything you can find on Brene Brown people get into it because she's just she's just amazing yeah. yeah so if you're not getting your ass kicked in the arena I don't want your feedback and I know that both you and I maybe not together will always be in the arena match fight into the end that's it always thank <laughs> you so much Suzuki for joining me at Afternoon Delight it's been absolutely amazing thank you my darling it's been great I've loved chatting to you as always it's great thank you so much for giving me this opportunity loved it Thank you so much, Susie, for joining us on Afternoon Delight. We absolutely loved having you. I always love sharing conversations with you. You know that. 
and I can't wait till you and I are in a couple weeks' time when it's allowed, getting pissed, talking about this episode, watching all our covers on YouTube and having a good old knees up. It's honestly such a privilege to have you as the first guest on season three of Afternoon Delight. Thank you so much for joining me on Afternoon Delight. It's been so great. I have got two guests next week. Miss Annabelle Sings, dive queer cabaret artist. And we have a gorgeous drag queen from Sky talking about the importance of being a trans woman in Scotland. Until then, though, I'm signing off with one of Susie's tracks from her EP, A Sneak Peek. Stay safe and remember to breathe. Hi, lovelies. It's Susie Kay again. Thanks so much for listening to the interview today. I really appreciate it. So I'm now going to share a live version of a track off my upcoming EP, which is due for release this summer, 2021. Uh, it's called Hear It From Her. I hope you enjoy it. Just left